Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is Force Center, a show about Star Wars, pop culture, and the ultimate adventure, kids home from school, and life <laughs> itself. I'm Ken Nefzak. 
I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and I like clinking dishes noises. It makes me feel like I'm doing a show in Vegas. <laughs> That's my husband. I'm Jennifer Landa. <laughs> hey, kids home from school. That's the same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're here to talk about uh, a really cool thing that was slipped into the news announcements last week on Star Wars, but everyone caught it. But hey, we're going to have fun diving into it. It is uh, looking ahead to Ahsoka season two. We're going into the heart of Ahsoka two. Uh, when, where, how, why, all those questions they taught you in school when you're in school and not home while mom's recording a podcast. Uh, before we get to all that, today's <laughs> podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Android, Kindle, or MV3 player. I'll explain what's holding me up, but Jen, uh, we're, we're starting with you on Life and Star Wars Adventures. Shout out to Alex and Molly who had their own Star Wars Adventures discussion and uh, tipped the cap to, to our discussions uh, on their Q and A, big Q and A this week, and had fun watching. Uh, Jen, uh, it's 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 a Martin Luther King Day, which is an important day uh, to to reflect and remember, but also it's a, it's a non non school day. A non school day, and just this morning, my daughter grabbed the Furby and Grogu and was trying to have them talk to each other, oh. which made me think. She was first. She asked, there. "Yeah," <laughs> she asked, "Is there a, a Grogu Furby?" And I, I was thinking, I'm like, oh, there was the Chewbacca one, right? Mm-hmm. Remember that mm-hmm. from Comic Con mm-hmm. several mm-hmm. years ago. So yeah. now I'm like, mm, they got to get on that. Maybe for the Mandalorian and Grogu movie, they can release a Grogu Furby. Is this something you could work up in your garage? Maybe DIY <laughs> it and then market it, patent pending it, <laughs> and sell it. If I was a droid builder, yeah, I probably could, but I do not have that technology. <laughs> no. Got to partner with someone. Uh, but hey, uh, exactly. look, I think it's uh, it's uh, in case you all hear some background noises. It, it's uh, we've had dogs. We've I have my gardeners. My dog. Uh, mm-hmm. It's part of the 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 flavor and spice of Force Center. Uh, we are uh, normal humans recording from home studios, and I, uh, Jen, don't worry about anything that may happen yeah. here today. My wife is home from from work, and I got this screen up, but you might hear a mystery sneeze behind me. You never know. <laughs> uh, hey. <sighs> There yeah. you go. And I, That's I got my to, life adventure. But I got nothing else. Got I nothing. can't think of anything else. No. <laughs> I think else. a Grogu Furby is entirely uh, possible now. The mania for smashing two things together in Toyland is is strong. I think it's uh, Transformers meets Masters of the Universe. Is the mm. the uh, nostalgia thing they're trying to sell now? Is that it? I don't know. Wow. But mashing That's... things up. Yeah, mashing them up. What's the pitch for that? The, the Dinobots go to Eternia and get crashed there or something. Wow. I, <laughs> I think this I in just it. lands. It's in the land of imagination. I don't think, <laughs> I don't know if there's a narrative to support it. No canon or anything. You know, I'll wait till, uh, <laughs> Dan Larson breaks it down on Secret Galaxy on how that happened. That's fantastic. That's that's great. I love that. Uh, Joseph, any Star Wars of Life adventures uh, in you and uh, any mystery sneezes yet? No mystery sneezes yet. Um, this was it was a, a really good, interesting week. I started uh, my new newsletter that I'm trying to do uh, once a week. Uh, I put it, the first one out on Tuesday, and it is uh, going to be about like my life adventures and creative adventures, but trying to be helpful and inspire other people to just finish the things they're working on. So I set an ambitious goal for the first week of writing a rough draft, uh, a first rough draft of another short film I want to do. And then I was like, oh, boy, uh, I really I, I, I really uh, back myself into a corner, which is the point of I should have yeah. called the, the blog back yourself into a corner instead of finish your <laughs> monsters. 
But uh, so I had that fun adventure of trying to get that done. And then um, <laughs> this is weird. I had a really amazing adventure that involved a special thing that a friend did. And I was all ready to talk about it. And then I realized this is a very personal thing. And I forgot to ask my friend if I can talk about it on a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> so I did a mystery thing that was real meaningful for <laughs> the friend. <laughs> uh, those were my uh, kind of big actual life adventures. Uh, the other thing for me that was kind of a Star Wars adventure was uh, I, I've been wrestling the last couple of weeks with trying to find good balance between the need to relax and a desire to really be assertive and move forward with all the things I want to accomplish in life. And I think I'm having this epiphany that I am just kind of an obsessive person by nature. So if I decide I'm, I'm going to really kick ass on this project, I get obsessive about it. But if I'm also like, I'm going to sit around on the couch. I also get very obsessive and assertive about it. And trying to find the balance between the, the two uh, has been a struggle. And in that balance uh, yesterday, uh, I decided on a whim to give myself a break for part of the day and watch the new MCU show Echo, mm. which is fascinating. I think relevant to future Star Wars conversations because Marvel is trying this um, and Disney uh, calling it a Marvel spotlight show um, that means to communicate you don't have to watch anything else do you like this character you're interested give it a try mm. and i think people were like excited about that but then also like well echo is a character who is deeply tied to daredevil and kingpin and the character was introduced in the hawkeye show how is this a spotlight mm. uh in spoiler for the first episode warning for anybody who doesn't want the first half hour of the episode spoiled they just they there are new scenes but then they just straight up replay the relevant echo scenes from Hawkeye and not even as a, like a previously on just build it into the narrative. And it was just sort of fascinating with our ongoing conversations about how do you uh, celebrate stories that get their value from being interconnected while also making sure that it is entirely open and receptive to new people diving in. I thought echo is pretty fascinating to watch. Uh, it's a really good show and I'm really enjoying it and a great character, but it's also fascinating in light of our ongoing conversations about how to strike that balance. That's fascinating. Uh, I, I, I plan to watch Echo. I want to support the show. And, and Hawkeye is one of my favorites of the MCU shows out there. So it all makes sense. But that's uh, I, I saw some of the discourse, but didn't know what exactly it was referring to. That's uh, fascinating. Uh, I, I think I don't know if that could work in Star Wars, but it's definitely helping address that problem or at least trying to address it. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like if Mandalorian, uh, you know, season three started with just some some scenes from, yeah. you know, the Book of Boba Fett relevant stuff. So you didn't have to, you know, that kind of thing. Anyway, hotbed issue <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> right at yeah. the top of the podcast of my life adventures. But honestly, that was what's on my mind. Uh, but Ken, it sounds like you had perhaps the most exciting and challenging adventure this week. Yes, one. yes, absolutely. Excruciating pain. In fact, if you if you should watch the camera, I'm kind of propped up uh, to take the pressure off my back. I, I have a chronic back problem, old pro wrestling injury that I let uh, linger and blah, 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 blah. So every once in a while, it's always there, but every once in a while I, I heard it and Grace was gone this weekend shooting a short film uh, and uh, she was excited about that uh, and I was kind of excited, like, all right, cool, maybe I'll, I'll have one of them bachelor weekends. For me, that just means a ton of Fortnite and maybe some Mexican food, but uh, it, it yeah, hurt my back, been literally bed and couch ridden for the entire weekend, so it was a lesson in the 
here we are and how do we heal uh, and how do we uh, get back to it? Fortunately, sleeping hurts it more than anything. Um, so if I end up standing in this episode, I apologize. But uh, it was, it was uh, yeah, it was a long, dark uh, weekend of the soul because my, my, my dolphins, my journey with the dolphins this season mm. is over. Uh, they got their uh, butts absolutely handed to them in a negative four degree weather in Kansas City Saturday night. Uh, was it I, seven to twenty six? Is that, that correct? That that was definitely the score. Definitely, definitely the I, score. I this is it's been a fascinating journey with needing a personal connection to sports. Then it makes me invested. I I googled on Sunday morning. Like, did the Dolphins pull it out? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm hoping for Ken. And no, they did not. They did not. They did not. But it was You know, it's a uh, it's a good lesson uh, about uh, it's it's what I like about sports and uh, not the pain, but the <laughs> You know, it's it, not only one team can win. So it's about the journey there and what you can learn and what can you could take with you. And, and uh, you know, old and new, if it, if you want to apply it with Star Wars and we'll look to next season. But it was just fun to, for me to get back to loving um, that team in a way I haven't. Uh, it's been a lifelong obsession with that team. But it, over the last 24 years, it's waned. Uh, and my relationship with sports has changed. But I loved it. And there was a... It was fun to get back to it. And, 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 and as I kind of emotionally disconnected from Star Wars during the strike, I needed to find my way back to other things I, I had loved because I have a habit, as I've said before in the show, of just going, I guess that era's over in my life. Uh, and uh, that's not exactly, sometimes that is the way. Sometimes it's not the way. So it was fun to get back into that. And then at the same time, while I'm on my couch, luckily I was able to get out right before the back really went out and uh, we got copies of the... Um, new age of rebellion uh mm-hmm. uh visual dictionary or visual yeah was that what, i forget what this one's actually called and that was fun because i have felt and i don't know if joseph jen you feel the same way as we're about to talk about ahsoka we grew up with you know we know every corner of the of, of the original trilogy every corner of the prequels we know most of the corner of the sequel trilogy even now six years in the rearview mirror but i don't know every corner of those star wars shows and mm-hmm. I had a ton of fun, like a smile on my face I haven't had in a long while about a Star Wars <laughs> piece of media in my hand of just going, oh, that's that character's name. Oh, that's right. That guy was there. It was a ton of fun. So, you know, uh, I'm trying to reconnect with all those passions. And, and that was a lesson I'll take from an absolute ass whooping of a football game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm thrilled to hear that. Yeah, I, I've been excited about that Age of Rebellion has got Andor and Kenobi on the cover, which is just sort of funny of like, yep, they live in the same time, but yeah. they've had different lives. Um and I picked the, the book up at, at a store and realized how I didn't realize how much it was covering the entire era with yeah. books and comics and all sorts of great stuff. It's like, oh, Ken likes eras. Ken's going to like this one. So mm-hmm. glad that mm-hmm. uh, that you were able to enjoy it in your pain. Yeah, it, it, it helped with the pain a little bit, but it's great. Yeah. And yeah, it, it was. It, we'll probably dive into it on the show. Definitely be part of our Will of the Force exclusive Patreon shows. But it, there there was. Um, it was fun to, have, yeah, you're right, books and comics from the last almost 10 years factored mm-hmm. into, this, into this book as well. And and that was uh, that was fun. And in a weird way, I don't say needed like I was demanding it. But, you know, all right, I want to know a little, you know, I want to acknowledge that Evan Verlaine was a character that I liked in the comics in 2015. Mm-hmm. And to have her there, was, that kind of stuff was fun. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. There you go. That's our adventures. That's our show. Bye-bye. Um, <laughs> do you feel physically ready to dive into uh, uh, perhaps a new era with uh, with Ahsoka? Uh, I do. I do. Take it away. I, I uh, hand the uh, 
The talk and stick to you, sir. <laughs> I will take the talk and stick, the hammer of mm-hmm. the uh, Mandalorian, uh, to talk about the heart of Ahsoka season two. Uh, as Ken said at the top, and as pretty much everybody watching this or listening to this knows, I'm sure Lucasfilm officially announced Ahsoka season two with a sly little mention in the press release about the Mandalorian and Grogu movie. The next day, StarWars.com published a sketch by Dave Filoni. The wild sketcher strikes again. There was a sketch by Dave Filoni and a brief confirmation at the news season. Here's what the actual text of that release said. It said, the story continues. Following the news that Ahsoka season two is in development, mentioned the announcement of the upcoming The Mandalorian Grogu film for Disney+, Plus. Lucasfilm revealed today a new sketch from series creator Dave Filoni. The image depicts Ahsoka Tano and her apprentice Sabine Wren atop one of the ancient statues seen on Peridia in season one with the words, the story continues in the sky. For more on Ahsoka, check out StarWars.com season one episode guide. <laughs> see behind the scenes images shared by the <laughs> cast or take our quiz and see how well you know Ahsoka Tano. Uh, I shared that part of the press release because it, it, it got me. I was trying to avoid my work and I went down a quiz rabbit hole on StarWars.com. Yeah. Anyway, we're, we're going to talk all sorts of details, questions and hopes about the next season. But I want to start with some of the big picture stuff as we often do. Jennifer, are you happy a second season was announced? Uh, and if so, why? What's got you excited? I am excited because I feel like the first season was a lot of table setting. As I've said before, it was uh, getting people caught up to speed with who these characters are, especially if they haven't watched any of the animated content. So yeah, I'm excited. I feel, and that sketch, well, I'm going to get into that later, but I do (laughs) think that, (laughs) and I'm also glad because after the announcement of the Mandalorian and Grogu movie, it makes me feel comforted to know that we're going to get Ahsoka's storyline in a whole season, as opposed to trying to like shoehorn something into that movie, mm. which I was like, oh, if they're not going to have a second season, are they going to try and continue that? No, we get a whole new season, probably what, eight episodes, seven episodes. Which mm-hmm. is not, I wish we could have more, but I'll take what I can get at this point. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. I, I really agree. I think I'm excited by it in terms of both the, uh, the show and the business about the creative part and kind of what it says about uh, where Lucasfilm is headed. Um, I, I really thought that the first season was a complete story in terms of Ahsoka and Sabine's emotional journey. They both start uh, one place and they end in this new refreshed place. But I agree with you that a lot of the plot uh, actually was a decent amount of table setting. And we got Thrawn and the Night Sisters over here. We got Ezra here. We got Shin in this place. And we, we have Balin, uh, like uh, Mark Hamill's joke about The Force Awakens, almost a literal cliffhanger of standing on the edge of that cliff, looking toward what is next. So it felt really good from from that sense of Ahsoka season one set up so much potential story, so much table setting, and now we can eat. Like, <laughs> that might have been the press release I would send out. Like, <laughs> the table's set, now we can eat. Um, I also think for me on the business side, uh, there's so much doubt of streaming and how much material to put out and how interconnected it should or shouldn't be. Iger has been out there saying, I, I think kind of from a damage control perspective to to people who are upset that we put out too much Marvel, we put out too much Star Wars. So it put Ahsoka season two and will any of these stories resolve into this sort of a period of, of doubt for me, it, which is extra hard for Ahsoka because from the second I saw that character in a movie theater in 2008, her future has always been this weird cloud that goes along with her. It doesn't never ruin the character for me, but I mean, that was the conversation in 2008 before Clone Wars even started. And it was just the movie of like, 
cool. Uh, Anakin's got a Padawan. Do you like her? You don't? Cool. She going to die in Order 66? Like, that that question of Ahsoka's fate has been walking like a shadow behind her for her entire history of storytelling. And yeah. so to have that sort of relieved of like, nope, the character's established in this new era in her sort of uh, her, her middle age, her Jedi master period, and we're going to get to walk her toward her future and not wonder about it with all the continuations of Clone Wars and canceling and coming back and will there be a Soka television show and, and all that. It's so nice to just know, yes, we're going to get, uh, if not the rest of her story, uh, another big chunk of her story. Uh, Ken, what are your thoughts? I'd almost be suspicious if Dave was selling those Ahsoka Lives question mark shirts out of the back of his car trunk. <laughs> like, like this is this, you've created a character that always has her fate hanging above her, and, and you're right about that from the very beginning. And that's been part of the fun of the character for me. Mm-hmm. Just it, it's like a wrestling match. Just when you think she's counted out, she's back in the ring, and I think that's kind of fun. Uh, though it could potentially be. Uh, frustrated if it doesn't um, get answered. I, I, I think the end of the Clone Wars season five and Cartoon Network's decision, all that is a great example of it. So because of that, I'm with you and with both of you um, just in terms of business. And even as a fan, I'm, 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 uh, I'm intrigued. I'm excited. Uh, I'm curious about another season, but in terms of the business, in terms of the discussion around these shows, it's, it's to quote Saw Gerrera, a clarity of purpose. Uh, I mm. like that. It's just there. We know it. Well, the year we'll discuss when, when it might possibly come out, but we know that uh, this is there. Now, as some cynics might say, well, it's not the first time Lucasfilm has announced something that uh, didn't happen. Of course. Yeah, I absolutely totally get that. But this, this, this will happen. This, this will, in some form or another, we know, and it makes sense. And and I like that. Uh, historically, you know, shows that have had great runs didn't always get the, the guarantee. I, I've always talked about how kind of famously G- Game of Thrones had to wait for an extension. I think the first three seasons, mm. they, they, they still didn't know. It, it still, you know, it worked. But the cost and everything about it, HBO, uh, you know, held, held it above them a little bit. Uh, so it's not the first time a, a show um, had to kind of wait to see. And uh, I'm excited uh, that Dave gets to uh, continue the story with that big old finger, statue finger pointing <laughs> in the direction of forward. That is right. It is a, the story continues, dot, dot, dot. Not mm-hmm. the story concludes. So there's a, there's a lot to talk about there. Uh, but uh, I do want to talk about the, uh, the uh, elephant uh, in the room, or, or sadly not in the room with the tragic passing of Ray Stevenson, who portrayed Balin Skull. You know, the sketch by Filoni with Hisoka and Sabine standing on the statue where we last saw Balin uh, really suggests that the story will continue. There is we're going to talk about the the mortis of it all and those questions and that statue. Uh, but it certainly was a suggestion that Balin was headed in that direction. And now here are Ahsoka and Sabine are literally on his uh, uh, trail. Um, so, Ken, how are you feeling about a potential recast of Balin? And, and do you have any hopes for the actor should there be a recast. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually adjusting on the fly. Cause I realized my first choice. Um, well, I, you know, my first choice was already in star Wars, but you know what? Andy circus kind of broke that. Uh, and, and other folks have had a uh, little dual roles, uh, dual roles along the way. Uh, I sadly, uh, tragically, uh, you know, this is where we're at. And, and, uh, Ray Stevenson was just the favorite of, of that series for me. And a lot of folks, his beard, uh, alone, right. Um, I, I was looking at Mark Lewis Jones, who played Shaga in Game of Thrones, but of course he was Captain Kennedy in Last Jedi. So uh, I don't know, but he, he's that he's that kind mm. of um, actor with gravitas. There's the guy a lot of people were. Um, I, 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 that's the guy I'm trying to look up 
at, oh, Dean S. Jagger, is that it? No, no, that is the the little John. I'm looking for the guy who played the great, great John in Game of Thrones in season one with the, uh, uh, you know, his finger gets ripped off by a dire wolf and he's like, ah, this is great, let's do it. Uh, that guy has that kind of, um, um, that, again, again, that word gravitas gets thrown around as a joke so much, but that's what Ray brought to it. Uh, he, in, in some sense, uh, I fear he could be uh, irreplaceable, but I, I, I think this is where we're at. And it was such an intriguing character. And unless something weird happens, right? Unless he, unless he, he walks into some uh, force flames and is gone. The pilot episode, we just see what well, they're gonna they're gonna want to explore this character. So I'm open to a recasting. Yeah, Jennifer, uh, how are how are you feeling about a recasting and uh, any desires? I guess I love great John. Yes, Clive Clive Mantel. Uh, that's yeah, what it says. you might Clive be Man- right. Clive Mantel. Um, yeah. yeah, great great choice. Um, I'm so conflicted. Rafe Stevenson was obviously was fantastic, um, and that's always difficult with a character <laughs> that I love so much, and I'm so tied to the actor. At the same time, it's a newer character, mm-hmm. so um, I think that that will help. Um, mm-hmm. He was obviously you know, a main part of the show, but he wasn't – a lot of people don't didn't know Ray Stevenson as well, so that also can help with the recasting. Um, and I think it's tr- tricky for whoever they bring in next because – you don't want to copy what Ray did in his performance. You still mm-hmm. want to keep the essence of the character. And I think a smart way to go would to really give a different performance so that there's there's not mm-hmm. as much comparison. But again, it's tricky because you want to fit with kind of what's already been brought forward with this character. So mm-hmm. I was thinking of like Game of Thrones, which they notoriously had so many recasts, right? And sometimes mm-hmm. it worked better than others. And sometimes mm-hmm. you were like, mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that this will be, this will be very interesting. Um, but I think that no matter what, we're all going to be rooting for this actor because it's, they're picking up uh, this character and, and taking the torch forward. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think uh, it's so great uh, to bring up Jennifer, the idea of what is the, the goal of a recast? Are you trying to play like just the spirit of the character, but if you don't, you know, match the mannerisms, maybe that's even, but you know, not better, but that's a different way to do it. I think for me, I'm just, I, I really want recasts to be, it's, it's a reality. It's just a reality. And I think yeah. there's some recasts that we have all culturally accepted. And then some that uh, I think people have kind of dug their, their heels in. I was thinking about my, my mom used to watch the soap opera, all my children. And I would just, I would see it all summer. And it, it was, I would, some of, some of it, I didn't understand. Uh, <laughs> but as a little kid, I would just get hooked. And <laughs> uh, sometimes they had the thing on, on soap operas back in the day where you would just be watching on Tuesday and this one actor would be like, Oh, that's my favorite. Then you'd tune in Wednesday and the actor would walk into the scene and then there'd just be a literal voiceover. Like, the role of Bob <laughs> yes, Buchenbach right. is now played by Chad so, Williams. And like sometimes so right. it would be like there was there was one character back in the day who was like a kind of a, you know, a, a gonzo journalist kind of 70s American man, man with mm-hmm. uh, with a with blonde hair and a mustache. And then like just like once day, one day it was just like this guy's now played by James Bond guy. And he was British now. And he just was. Yeah. And like. It's a totally different thing, but I think there's that just sort of embracing the reality of recasts that I kind of just I want to get into that that spirit. Uh, And and, and it's not like I want to have it come back and and, 
Balin skull is like, you know, eight feet tall in a redhead in 22. Like, you know, you don't, I want somebody to play the spirit of the character, but being really okay with the recast because it's just reality. Right. Yeah. And, and, and looking, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, like some of the great recastings in film and television history, right. That, that were either acknowledged or not acknowledged. And we're just so aware of it as, as a movie news obsessed kind of uh, pop culture world. That that you know you 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 just know it you you know Terrence Howard is replaced and Don Cheadle comes in and that, uh, mm-hmm. you, and that of, yeah yeah that's a news story <laughs> and we would cover it as well so you, you ha- yeah it, it, we're past that point but uh, I, I know what you mean we grew up in a different I don't know if it's different but it's like you know Dick Sergeant Dick York which was your favorite Darren that was the, that was the only questions we had yeah the, you know? the right. Becky's on Roseanne I believe right yeah yep. right. I yep. think- Maybe for some of us, you know, uh, certainly it will speak for our age of growing up with the original trilogy where those actors became so synonymous with the right. the characters and even Carrie Fisher sort of wrestled with how do I how do I accept that this is a part of my identity and I and I cannot remove Leia from myself. It is a part of my identity that maybe there's something about Star Wars in particular that people are used to saying like Hayden, it, it, they'll watch Hayden Christensen in another movie, but in, in their heart it's Anakin. You know, yeah. I think there can yeah. be right. that thing, Star Wars in, in particular. Uh, but yeah, like uh, Riverdale made jokes about um, Second Reggie, who has who now made the leap to movie star in uh, uh, the Made of December film. So oh. good. So night. good. But I think it's also like, <laughs> depending, if you stake the claim that it's a, it, you know, like the soap opera, it's about the story. It's about mm-hmm. the plot. It's about the characters. <laughs> the actors are ex- expendable. Who cares about the <laughs> actors? But it, we really need to continue this story. And yeah. Star Wars has been about the story, but you're right. Like, th- you know, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford were so synonymous. They were like ambassadors of mm-hmm. Star Wars and of their characters. And so it would kind of be, it's like uncharted territory for Star Wars to now kind of shift. <laughs> so, and one last thing I want to say that will be interesting to see is if this new actor will portray Balin as being more of a villain. Mm. So I think that was what's so interesting about Ray Stevenson's performance that I think even Dave Filoni was like, hey, remember, you're the villain. And he's like, yeah, but am I? Are you sure? So I think yeah. that that will be interesting if this new actor kind of plays into that more or kind of keeps it in tradition with what Ray did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, my guess is that, and I could be wrong, that Balin is going to have a larger role and go through a, a change. You know, mm-hmm. he makes choices. He makes definitive choices, but he doesn't feel like he changes his path in Ahsoka season one. He's got a right. goal and he's he's walking towards it and looking at it by the end. Uh, he makes some choices with Shin along the way, but he doesn't through, go through like a crisis of I, I'm at a decision point and I, you know, must change or not change. Um, yeah, so uh, for me, a couple actors, uh, Liam Cunningham, I think is a great, both uh, physical close close match, but also just like he, he can play that same sort of just heavy-hearted i wish i didn't have this burden but damn it i do and i'm i'm charming as hell even while i'm maybe making dubious decisions he, he's really good with that uh thing that doesn't come up a lot is uh you know i also would not mind if <laughs> if uh, the casting crew and dave filoni said let's just go to a bunch of shows on the west end or even smaller theater in yes. london and go you you, you know how people used to become stars. Mm-hmm. Hey, should we get that Patrick Stewart guy? He, he's been in a couple movies, uh, but he's mostly mm-hmm. a stage actor. Should we get him for that that Star Trek? And yeah, uh, it, it's also to me an opportunity uh, uh, for for somebody who we have not 
uh, as a culture heard of. I love that as an answer. If I was looking up some right stuff, you know, he he came from uh, Bristol Vic Theater School, all that kind of stuff. You're, you're absolutely right. There's an opportunity to um, to do that, and and uh, Liam Cunningham's a great choice. Uh, you know, Sir Davos and anything's wonderful for me. Uh, any any guy who can grow a big bushy gray beard and wield a sword, I guess, is what we might be looking for. But I, I'm actually intrigued by what you're saying there. Uh, a bit of an unknown to come in. There you go. Stephen Fry. He can he can grow a <laughs> good yes. beard. Yes. <laughs> uh, that, Thanks. That's a jokey one. I do want to touch uh, <laughs> briefly on, I think we are all, uh, we are making assumptions that, that Balin's story will continue. We're making assumptions that it will be a recast. Is there any world where either of you are imagining an attempt at AI, or do you just feel like that is not the spirit of what is going on with that character and that the AI has more to do with a long association with actors from the original trilogy, because that's mostly where the AI has been for Leia, for Tarkin, for Luke. I had the brief thought. I had not thought about it until kind of going over the the outline this weekend um, for for this show of if he was to, uh, go quick, whatever that might be. You know, if that was the next chapter, they just didn't you want to explore the character beyond he goes to Mortis and dies, you know, <laughs> like something like that. Then mm. maybe, but I hadn't thought about it. And it does feel different, right? It does feel mm-hmm. like there's so much to explore this character that this is this is the way to do it. But it, this, this is also where we are in, in the industry and this point in time where you have to think, oh, could they do that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I, I don't Jennifer? Know. I find it so troubling and so disgusting, like that idea, because because of how sudden his passing was. He didn't mm-hmm. even get to see like the reception of, of all of us seeing his performance. Mm-hmm. He has no idea. We don't even know. Like maybe he would have been like, I actually don't want to come back for a season two. I don't know. It just feels gross as opposed to somebody who's older, who was already established in Star Wars, who had a f- relationship. I don't know. It just... Ugh. And I know that we're we're heading there. Absolutely. But I, I do think that they're going to try it out more with like smaller roles. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, if you only had one scene, but it still just feels it feels gross. <laughs> I yeah. really hope uh, that they don't do that. Yeah, we, we had her talk about, you know, recasting some of the original trilogy if they were to play if, if Leia, uh, you know, Luke Khan play a large role. And, and, right. and we were, were, you know, all kind of on, on team recast. I also just think we are at a different time than we were you know back in season two of mandalorian where where ai is is a, a huge conversation and trying to define more what that means and mm-hmm. and all that and, and i think for me like i agree that ai is a tool uh, it's not the tool i'm upset with it's my fear of the socio-political moral rules and choices uh that govern the use of that tool and i think that i feel strongly that we are in a a place in society where Tools are great. I'm not saying we should stop using computers and go back to the Stone Age or the Analog Age, but I think it is it is to too many people's financial advantage to to stop humans from talking to one another. So my concern with anything sort of AI is that it is a tool that will be abused in a way that dehumanizes us. And I think that's the thing I'm thinking of more than than anything. This has been such a human experience that you know. Balin had had enough lines to to fit on a napkin practically. And yet Ray Stevenson just imbued it with emotion. He had a, he has a bunch of lines that are literally one word and he stares out into the distance and he imbued that with humanity. And we've all gone through this human experience of 
loving that performance while also dealing with the utter tragedy that that human isn't here anymore. So to face all of that, all of that humanity with, we made him in a computer, feels <laughs> dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think, my guess is that it is not on the table. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Yeah. Uh, Ken, I do want to touch briefly, and then we'll move on uh, from from the Balin conversation. Um, I, I have great hopes that we are moving into the, the bizarre and the mystical um, for, not that Twin Peaks is a great example necessarily for Star Wars, but uh, Michael J. Anderson very uh, famously played the, the the little man from another place, the arm in Twin Peaks, and uh, had, a, had I, I believe, if I understand the story correctly, demanded uh, a lot of money. Uh, for the third season of Twin Peaks, uh, he played already a uh, bizarre, unknowable, mystical creature. And David Lynch just turned him into a tree with some gum on it. <laughs> uh, and I was like, well, okay. Um, the same character. He, he, he was the evolution of that character. That, ca- yeah. that actor evolved into uh, mm-hmm. a tree with some weird, sticky, gummy stuff on it. Uh, but... If Balin is walking into Mortis, I mean, we're talking about like this, those season six episodes of the Clone Wars where where Qui-Gon can't fully materialize his body. So he's a bunch of like weird mystical fireflies. Uh, the force priestesses that Yoda interacts with are, you know, floating, you know, comedy dell'arte masks with robes uh, and spooky voices. There is a world where Balin walks into Mortis and, and be- becomes the, a robe with a floating mask or whatever. Mm-hmm. If that fit the story... Would that be too out there for you, Jen? Or would you be okay with that? I love the weirder, the better. But, you know, I've been going, <laughs> I've been going to Reddit a lot lately. Uh, I really enjoy it. And uh, the kids Dangerous. on Reddit, <laughs> the kids on Reddit are like, are, Ahsoka was probably as weird as it could get this first season for the average viewer. If we start going door, towards that route, I, I just think we might lose people. I mean, the Purgles, that already... You know, but they can kind of say they're whales. They're just in space, right? There's some sort of anchor to it. But like this other stuff that we know, I don't know. I don't know. I want it. I want to see it. And I think Dave might want to tell it. So I I don't know. We'll see what they do. I think so. I think a lot of what Dave does and is doing is is his his influence and his stature within Lucasfilm uh, grows is to – validate not only the characters and stories from the animation that he's worked in for a long time, but saying the aesthetic that that George and other people, myself included, created in the Clone Wars is valid, which means we can go as bonkers as we want. We ask why not, not, you know, why. Um, and I kind of think with, with a literal sketch pointing to Mortis, that's pointing to weird. Ken, how do you feel? I had the exact same reaction on that uh, Filoni napkin napkin drawing that uh, was released. Uh, that this and, and Jen, I don't think you're wrong at all. I think this could be. I I, I have a list of of people who will probably call and text me the first time they step foot in Mortis. <laughs> of what is this? Like, oh, you need to go to Clone Wars. And and I think, look, Dave is Dave is smart enough uh, 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 to understand that Star Wars is all things, right? The Star Wars is all. Uh, it's it's X wings blowing up Tie fighters. It's it's lightsabers. It's cool black cloaks in, in, in the shadows. He he knows because he loves it all, right? And that and one of my favorite things about Dave 
is listening to him talk about Star Wars. I, I, I like, I wish he had a Star Wars podcast like that, <laughs> that, that more than maybe even writing shows. Like, and so he gets it, but also he has this desire to, to push these boundaries and these kind of stories. And, 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 and we know George did as well. And, and it's not that he's just uh, doing George cover songs here. Uh, I think he sees the value in it. And I, Joseph, I exact when that, the finger pointing, I was like, oh, it's about, it's about to get weird, which Jen, to mm-hmm. your point, you know, We'll see. I'll, maybe I'll go into Reddit on that day. Uh, but I think a lot of, you know, a lot of fans will enjoy it. And I think if people can just um, untether themselves from, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the other things known in Star Wars and explore this. I, I push back. Other than Mortis, uh, I historically back in the day uh, didn't like some of the, the Clone Wars weirder stuff. But the Clone Wars uh, rewatch report here we did on Force Center really changed my my view on that stuff. And and it's not something I want all the time, but you know, Balin as force flies, it, it's 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 not improbable. Yeah, you know, one thing I, when I was I was rewatching unintentionally the Last Jedi, I think last week, and I really I really got sucked in. And there's a lot of weird things in that movie, mm-hmm. and I think the reason why they work is because of how they are shot visually like i just mm. was thinking of uh, ray in in the dark side cave mm-hmm. and like it's trippy it's really trippy but it works because a pirate booty and apple juice as <laughs> those of you who are watching on youtube can see uh, that's why it works Nothing will solve a problem like pirate booty. Uh, your, your daughter is is uh, like fulfilling the role of like a pit droid of like, mom, do you need these to keep going? Do you need some chips? <laughs> Anyways, this is why I like weird things because it's unexpected. <laughs> this is my life. But yeah, yeah well, I think I like like if you make it more like stylistic visually, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. I think it can the general audience can be like, oh, I I get where this is going. Yeah, I think uh, if you make people feel the emotion of it so it doesn't feel like it is weird to be weird, but like, you know, everything that Ray is feeling in that cave, the the shots and the design help you feel what she is feeling. The, you know, the confusion and the desire and the all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I yeah, really agree. We'll have more room to talk about weird. <laughs> so I want to get into some other uh, story stuff about Ahsoka. Um you know, again, based on that image, it does seem like we'll definitely be following Ahsoka in Sabine's adventures on Peridia. Uh, Kent, do you think that the story of Ahsoka season two might take place entirely in this new to us galaxy? Or do you expect or hope for this season to also advance the general story of the, the New Republic versus Thrawn? Um, Thrawn, Night Sister Time, or just we're in this new galaxy with uh, uh, Ahsoka and and team? I, I would hope that it's a good mix of both, uh, only because I really want to know what happens next when Thrawn and the and, and the Night Sisters show up in the other galaxy, and I, I don't want to have to wait too much longer for that. I, I'm intrigued and curious uh, about that, but I do think what you're saying speaks to what I kind of sense has grown of the show. That at least for right now, it is Ahsoka and Sabine. Throw Shin Hati in there as well, and what's mm-hmm. going on uh, on Peridia, and and then it's it's Ezra and Thrawn, and I'd say Hera, Ezra and Thrawn, and the New Republic and Thrawn, and and we might be in a little bit of our Two Towers phase, where where the characters are separate. Last Jedi, uh, Empire Strikes Back, where where we're on separate tracks leading back to some place. 
Uh, but the idea, the concept of just being on Peridia is not far-fetched to me, that there's a lot to explore over there. You left four characters, four plus characters, counting Marauders mm-hmm. and, and Naughty and all those things. So um, the Naughty, I always say Naughty, like they're Naughty little turtles. Uh, <laughs> so I think you're Naughty for not including Hu Yang in your character count. Uh, I'll say that. Uh, and others. And the rest, <laughs> Professor, the Professor and Marianne and <laughs> yeah, as well. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's not far fetched. Yeah, it's not far fetched idea. Yeah, no, I mean, it, and and people keep talking about you know Ahsoka season two. I hope to see this for Thrawn and Night Sisters, and and I hope to see more storytelling for Thrawn and Night Sisters. But there's a part of me that feels like that there's a possibility, and to me, a really intriguing one of just staying in this other galaxy. That yeah, Ahsoka yeah. introduced us to what's going on in uh, uh, the the galaxy that we know, and in, in those <clears throat> excuse me mm-hmm. uh, pieces are are set on the board of Ezra and Thrawn and Night Sisters. But I can see this just being the chance to really explore uh, this new galaxy. I, I think I, I said this before; it's one of my favorite things about Ahsoka: the way it ended with everything on Pretty in this other galaxy of just enough factions uh, to yeah. really have so much. Balin wants this. Ahsoka and Sabine are together now, and they need this. Uh, Hu Yang's probably going to stay with them, but maybe Hu Yang will uh, have a, uh, I don't know, start training droids to use lightsabers. I don't, I don't know. what <laughs> uh, He'll probably be with them. But then Shin and, and her life and what happens to the Naughty Naughty. Yeah. Um, it the reminds naughty, me naughty. of a good way when I would get just enough action figures to feel like, I, I got enough good guys. I got enough bad guys. I got enough scoundrels. I got enough vehicles and play sets. I can really, you know, create this story. And to me, there's also this incredibly huge value in we've created a huge and revolutionary thing in Star Wars of another galaxy. Mm-hmm, Don't we want to mm-hmm. just dive in and really, really play with our new toys uh, mm-hmm. kind of feeling for me? Jen, how are you feeling about it? I had to mute myself there. Um, I, I, I think it's going to be a mix of both. And I keep thinking about, I went back to the starwars.com announcement and they said Filoni is still working on the movie, right? He's still mm-hmm. working on his movie. So then that makes me think, well, what story are they going to tell here? How are they going to set it up for the movie? So I think we are going to get a big chunk with Ahsoka and Sabine. The show is called Ahsoka after all on Peridia, uh, Another Mortis arc uh, on the show. And I think the last half will be more Thrawn, New Republic, setting it up for the movie. I, I mm. mean, that's just, I feel like this could be his room to kind of play, have fun, go weird. And then towards the end, it's like, all right, let's let's get, get down to the bigger picture of what's happening here. Well, not that, not that the, you know, the gods and stuff are not big picture, but you know what I mean. Yeah. The biggest, I, I, I feel like the biggest you- picture, right? <laughs> To follow Thrawn and the Night Sisters of the New Republic, for me, it it me it would mean in a sort of narrative way that for the season to feel at all complete or whole, that they would have to eventually intersect. And there's a bunch of great, I think, prestige television where you're following three different strands and you kind of don't know why, and then they come together in this you know beautiful, surprising way. And I can see that. But that leads me to the this other big question: um, Ken, do do you think Ahsoka and Sabine are destined to go back to the known galaxy or is this new galaxy where their fate lies forever certainly the end of ahsoka suggests that we really you know anakin gives them the nod <laughs> gives them the force spirit anakin gives them the smile uh the, the, moray the convoy is there kind of winking at ahsoka saying you're on the right path 
there's all this sense of uh, Ahsoka thought this was such a bad idea that Sabine do this and then having some peace with maybe this is where we need to be. So so I certainly think they have a purpose. They have an adventure mm-hmm. there. My question mm-hmm. is, is this their forever destiny or are Ahsoka and Sabine headed back to the known galaxy at some point? Ooh, it's a TBD or in a betting parlance, it's a push. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think for right now, I think what you just said there towards the end of that was the um, – Something that seems to be very important to Dave and his Jedi storytelling of of where you are, right, might be where you need. Uh, we always go back to the great uh, Obi-Wan Ezra conversation. You're not supposed to be here. I know you feel you're supposed to be here. But this isn't your story. You're needed elsewhere as a Jedi. And and I, I think, you know, if I, had to put, if I did have to put down bets down on, on FanDuel, uh, not a sponsor of the show, I, I'd say <laughs> Sabine goes back, but Ahsoka stays, right? And And... But the, but, the, but as even as I say that, this is where the, the the business side creeps in. But you have a movie coming, and now I'm not talking Mandalorian Grogo. You have the the the, the Filoni Fest 27 or when it, whatever it's coming mm-hmm. out. Uh, you know, Ahsoka I think would have to factor into that. But could she fact factor into it as a, as a as a Force God or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's I'm I'm open to the idea of of she goes there, Sabine goes there, and and and, and never shall they return. It's uh it, it'd be intriguing to me. Um, I think Sabine and and Ezra will be fighting side by side again. But I I think there's um I think I think it could happen. Also, go back to even like the previous question of of I, I almost pitch it back to y'all as as mm. as we deal with these big things of of. Uh, we don't know. We're going to talk about when Ahsoka two might come out, but if, if we have we have Mandalorian and Grogu, and and a lot of people, Joseph, are all in on what, what you kind of were leading us through the other day of it. That's a that's a Mandalorian and Grogu story for mm-hmm. a reason. That's the title. I love the title. Other people don't. Fair enough. But but that Mando four. I know it'd be weird titled Man- the Mandalorian, but Thrawn and the Night Sisters return in that. It's not like Thrawn hasn't been mentioned in that kind of section of the storytelling. And that there's a lot to be dealt with there. You got Ezra and all those characters in Bo-Katan. I, again, I know the title alone would cause discourse, um, but then that could lead to Ahsoka season two that deals more with this stuff. And then maybe in the movie, that's where it all dumps in. But that's just pure business talk, which is kind of boring at times. But um, it puts some uh, I, I think it. Uh, I, well, I mean, I think going back to the the great discourse of should the Mandalorian and Grogu stories have been advanced in a show called Boba Fett, or would have people right. received it just fine if the, if it was called Boba Fett, you know, Age of the Mandalorians, and and right. Din and Grogu were in the trailers, and you knew the whole time that they're going to cover. There is an intersection that's fascinating to me about uh, business and creativity because it's how do you need to prepare people to their their expectations to enjoy mm-hmm. the story because clearly just people get hung up on i expected boba fett to be in the boba fett show and it in, impairs my ability to enjoy the narrative so i do think it is both a business and a creative decision mm-hmm. and to me what, what's kind of fascinating about it is we're in, we're in this new era where they can keep trying different things and if they really are ending up with like well we're shifting things around and what we need is we need the Thrawn and the Night Sisters and the Ezra story to kind of get caught up. What's to stop them from doing as one one season of the Ezra and Thrawn show, mm-hmm. if that's the focus, instead of just kind of saying we have these pre-existing shows and here here's stories we need to cram into them, but rather just hopefully labeling the shows as exactly what they are, so yeah. so that fans don't get it, you know, blocked by you you prep me for this and then surprise me with what the actual storytelling focus was. Yeah. 
Mandalorian Thrawn, new Thrawn, who dis should be the title <laughs> of season four. <laughs> new galaxy, who dis? Jennifer, do you have uh, thoughts on all that intersection of um, marketing and storytelling, and and just where does this story go? Where do you where do you put it? How do you communicate it to people? Well, I was going to save it for later. Let's think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can save it for later. That's I'll that's save, a it for later. save it for I'll later. I'll save it for later. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, I, it's really complicated because it's all about like when are they releasing everything? How do they need to set it up? How familiar are people going to be? How will Star Wars mm-hmm. Celebration factor into it? There's all mm-hmm. these pieces to the marketing puzzle that, um, yeah. Yeah, that we're going to have no. to figure out. Agreed. Agreed. So, mm-hmm. so to go back to, to, to just story, I'm going to really try to uh, practice what I pe- preach and not become attached to an, <laughs> a mm-hmm. thought and talk mm-hmm. more about hopes and dreams. And I will uh, let them go when the, the story that is uh, being told emerges. But I'm just sort of in love with an idea of, of staying focused on Ahsoka and Sabine in this other world because it feels like here's this massive gift. Play with that. I'm dying for Thrawn and Night Sisters story, but there's a sort of a, a, a purity to a saying focus on Ahsoka and Sabine, the potential weirdness of Mortis, which we're going to get into on the uh, the other uh, half of the the show here. Um, but I, I can really see Ahsoka and Sabine staying in this galaxy. We'll talk about is Ahsoka heading to Mortis with you know a finger of a Mortis god literally pointing forward and saying the story continues. That seems pretty pretty obvious uh, i i think there's a possibility that sabine gets sent back through some portal uh, or uh, ahsoka goes to mortis and sabine starts some form of a new jedi order in this new galaxy i think the the thing that i'm really really intrigued by is this is massive that a new galaxy has been established it's not quite a multiverse story because it's still Mortis. It's still connected. The Night Sisters and the Jedi have touched this galaxy. It, it, it's all still connected. But it is sort of Star Wars with all of the big pillars, all of the thematic material, utterly unburdened by any of the pedantic part of canon. You have an entire galaxy where you can just have anything. Like, honestly, before the announcement, going back to the business side, that uh, Filoni has this new position at Lucasfilm as, you know, guiding all, not necessarily choosing what gets made, but guiding what gets made. It almost it seemed like, hey, Dave, do you want your own Star Wars? You got this, you got a galaxy where you can just do what you want, mm-hmm. unburdened by anything else. And we'll go over here, we'll make a movie with this person and that person, and Dave, go play. Um, that That's a business thought, but there's still a creative thought of, this is a wide open new galaxy. And, and why would we not really spend time planting the seeds of that, including keeping uh, Ahsoka and Sabine there as the starter characters? Yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's intriguing, right? It'd be a big, brave, bold choice, but that's kind of um, what, what, you know, Dave has learned under, under the, the guy who, in flannel who made a lot of bold choices that, <laughs> against what people ex- expected or wanted. So uh uh, a season of this and leading to others, and, and again, we know there's an intersection, right? We know we we the advertisement for the, for the Felony Fest movie. I I, I get it, um, but I, I I understand and, and like what you're saying, Joseph. But you ha- you have an opportunity to do something t- kind of different, and, and the other things are part of uh, the larger story. We know so Thrawn, the Night Sisters, Bo Katan, the all clash. It could happen, and it's important stuff. 
Uh, we just did the New Republic episode. I want to know more about the New Republic and what's going on in this timeline. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I, 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 I think, you know, I think I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm fearful of the discourse, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, confronting fear is the destiny of a, of a Star Wars fan. <laughs> exactly. I think the other thing for me, and then I'll, I will move on because I'm kind of uh, obsessed on this point, is uh, I feel like Ahsoka is often uh, set up as a, an ultimate Jedi, a hero, a main hero. And the way that mm-hmm. Ahsoka season one was set up to to focus more on um, the 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 horror of the possibility of Thrawn return and Ahsoka having the epiphany that I could have focused more on the beauty of Ezra returning and this sort of implication that he's where he needs to be. In some ways, it feels like he is being set up as the hero of the Thrawn conflict. So it almost just feels like two headliners if Ahsoka mm-hmm. comes back. And to me, it feels more narratively clean to have that's Ezra's fate that's Ezra's battle to face Thrawn Ahsoka's got something else that's been calling to her for a long time over Mm -hmm. here in this mystical land and I think that's part of the reason that I am kind of uh, fantasizing about uh, at least Ahsoka not returning no, no, it makes a lot of sense. I know, I know we want to move on here too, too yeah. but uh, uh, it makes a lot of sense because I think I think with with Ahsoka returning in Mandalorian and saying, "Hey, where's Thrawn?" and we, oh my god, and 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 that's kind of where our excitement went. But if you, if you look at Star Wars canon now, Rebels, Hera and Ezra have a lot more beef with Thrawn right now. Ahsoka <laughs> has this general overall correct beef with Thrawn coming back to be the heir of the Empire. So it, it, it's not far fetched, not far fetched. Yeah. At all. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break, uh, but first we have a recommendation. Ken? Yeah, we do. Uh, we are doing our Four Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And today it is Hey Ahsoka by E.K. Johnston. Uh, check it out. It's a great story. Uh, it has uh, a lot of Ahsoka uh, prior to all this and her journey forward. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com/slash Four Center. Once again, that's audibletrial.com/slash Four Center. All right, audio u- listeners and users, audio users, you get a break. But YouTube, you get to just stare at us for a second. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And welcome back to Force Center here. We're taking a deep dive into uh, a look ahead to Ahsoka Season 2 now that it has been confirmed. Joseph, we are uh, lost wonderfully in the wilderness of a new galaxy in Mortis, but where are we going to go from here? Yeah, well, let's just get into the the Mortis of it all. Uh, mm-hmm. Fans have been talking about Mortis for a long time. Uh, that statue that Balin is standing on, and then Ahsoka and Sabine in the uh, new Filoni sketch. It appears to be an image of the father, the son, in a collapsed version of the daughter, uh, you know, uh, missing. Uh, pointing to a destination in the distance. Uh, some uh, Star Wars fans are, are zooming in, zooming in, zooming in, and feeling a flash of light in the distance. Is that a, an entrance to Mortis? Is it the creation, mm-hmm. the starting mm-hmm. point of Mortis? All that. So mm-hmm. uh, if Balin does indeed want to go to Mortis, uh, let's start talking about the why. Uh, what do you truly believe he wants to accomplish in Mortis, Ken? I... I kind of go to maybe look at it. You said uh, earlier, but Ahsoka is kind of this ultimate Jedi in a way. And you, you, you use that in a general sense to describe kind of her journey, which is I've I've always taken it's my interpretation of what's it mean to be a Jedi, and and she's mm-hmm. she's about that, and it and it and it's sometimes I don't mean this cynically that she's more right than others, but it's kind of sometimes what seems to happen. Even our beloved Obi Wan at times, but she's got that journey. What's it like to truly mean? What does this title mean? What do the duties mean? And I think he has that opposite path, you know, the opposite path to the same destination where he he's asking what that 
meant. This is someone who started in the temple, who was there, who was fighting uh, even alongside Ahsoka in theory, whether he had met her or not, doesn't matter. They're on the same team. And so for him uh, to get this, you know, I, I don't believe he starts a series thinking Mortis is possible because he's a hired hand and doing this, it comes, it becomes available to him, right? It's this option in front of him is how I've always read it. That's those long stares that Ray was so good at. So I think there's a, a pure intention from his point of view, as you're saying, Jen, earlier, it might be revealed more and more to him that he's also the villain in the story. Maybe he doubles down on that. But I think it is, it is some sort of, uh, I'm going to achieve not just balance, but I'm going to show you all the right way to use all these powers. Mm. Um, and that's what's drawn him closer, that this could... This is that everything. This is the power beyond uh, what he's trying to explain to Shin. Jennifer, how do you feel about uh, Balin's uh, arc and ultimately his motivation, what he wants out of out of Mortis? Well, you can hear the trash truck going by. It's really noisy at my house today. <laughs> throw throw uh, the trash truck driver some pirate booty. You'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So I, I, you know, one of the things about Balin that made him such an interesting character was I kind of didn't really know what he wanted. He was very cryptic <laughs> to me. Um, I, he, something's calling to him. What is calling to him? Right. Does he want to achieve balance? Does he unknowingly is the dark side calling him? Does he want power? Does he want is destruction? I have no idea. And that's what I think is going to be really interesting to explore. Um, there's some speculation that the mother Abeloth, this is what I saw on Reddit. This is where, this is where I go down the wormhole. That Abeloth uh, <laughs> was calling to him, and Abeloth would partner with him, give him immense power. Um, that's actually very, very intriguing. I like that idea. I don't know. I think that there's so much to explore and play with, and anything, anything. I just want to learn more, basically, because mm-hmm. I felt like I didn't really understand kind of what he what he wanted. Look, when yeah, Jen, I mean- when Jen dives into Reddit, we need to tie like a rope. Around her, just make sure we can pull her back. Pull her back. <laughs> like, Get her back out. Yeah, yeah. good. Yeah, the Abloth stuff is is fascinating because uh, I think anything is possible. Floney does seem really interested in respecting the EU and in trying right. to take a new new take on it. I know some EU fans don't think he's respecting it, but I think he intends it. Is I love these stories, and I'll I will uh, you know make them fit into the sort of the modern canon and and Lucas philosophy. Um, I also th- don't think it's past him. To, to dangle clues just to um, Mephisto people. If yes. people remember mm-hmm. uh, uh, WandaVision, everybody expected Mephisto, and, and in some uh, circles online, it has now become almost a verb for when when fans pick up the scent of something and are just obsessed with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it's possible that Filoni could, you know, Mephisto people <laughs> mm-hmm. and just get them to look for, for Abeloth in the shadows. Who knows? The, mm-hmm. the, the thing for me about... about Balin is um I I think he's clear on what he wants is the way I read it. I think that he um has partnered with Morgan uh with the knowledge that what she wants to do is go to this other place that he's aware of the sort of the content of the Night Sisters dreams like uh you think I'm your hired hand but I know hitching a ride with you will take me to the place of the childhood stories where I believe this power is, if the power is correct. And I think he does say a lot of cryptic things. Um, I think he says some some contradictory things because he is lying to himself, in my opinion. Mm. Um, in particular, I think he is coming from the, pers- the perspective of uh, this is an endless cycle of violence. I was made to be a part of it in the Clone Wars. I'm disgusted by it. Mm-hmm. The Jedi 
claim that they are defenders of life, but everything for them is an opportunity to fight. That's what happened to Anakin. He passed that that bloodlust on to Ahsoka. You know, when she is in her darkest place and does, you know, pull out her blade is the first is of course I'm going to have to fight Balin to, to get this map back from him and to, and to stop Thrawn from returning. Uh, he's got that line about like, you know, how predictable. So he's mm-hmm. got the, seems to have this strong sort of vision that there is this uh, cycle of violence, but then he has sort of put an asterisk around himself and said, and of course, for in order for me to stop the cycle of violence, I have to assume control, con, you know, total control and power and u- use violence. Like, it's too bad I can't watch walk the path of the Jedi and to to further the this great good that I have a vision of. I got to slaughter all these people on this new Republic ship. You know, mm-hmm. asterisk mm-hmm. around me. <laughs> yeah. it, it's okay that I do the violence, but it's but what I'm mad about is that the Jedi did the violence. So I, I think yeah. that's a, like a purposeful contradiction mm-hmm. of, of a character wrestling. <laughs> I think yeah. uh, I I looked it up this morning because I think he gets pretty close to to being clear with Shin toward the end. I think it's in like um episode six uh where she's kind of talking to him about oh it's weird to be in this new place you know you lost everything you knew in the jedi temple uh, it's the time where he says uh, as you get older you look at history and realize it's all inevitable he talks about the cycle of violence between uh the jedi and the empire uh and she talks about uh well and now it's gonna be our turn in the cycle we're gonna get the power and he's like that the kind of power thrawn wants is fleeting and he says what i seek is the beginning Right. So I may finally bring this cycle to an end. Yeah. So, the, and then I think he, he lets Shin go because he's trying to train her to do this with him. And then he's seeing her, her ambition and he's just going like, you're so far away from mm-hmm. this Zen place that I am in of mm. the end justifies the means. And it's not about power. It's about doing this, about bringing the cycle to an end. And so he cuts her loose. Mm. But where that, leaves for me and in my personal interpretation is that I think he he's seen Mortis as his huge powerful uh means to an end I kind of think or hope he's going to do something weird and drastic or think he can with the power of Mortis um we're told in in the Clone Wars episodes that that the the family of force users were, were beings who used the force and became so powerful they couldn't exist in the normal galaxy and they go to this place, Mortis, establish this place called uh, Mortis, I think there's some ambiguity there, uh, and, and use it as a, a conduit through which the forces is balanced. And then it becomes out of balance and the galaxy gets gets worse and all that. But if it is, if it is like, if he believes it, and the old stories say it's a conduit of the force, everything flows through there, I wonder if he's like, I'm going to go shut it down. I'm going to turn the force off. Or mm. if all the force flows through it and anything can happen, I'm going to reset time. We're going to do this all again. Or I'm going to use the the massive force of Mortis and make it so like nobody actually can commit violence. I, I kind of hope that he's going to do so, wants to seize the power of Mortis to just do something drastic and weird mm-hmm. to stop all conflict, which to me it then becomes this great story of like, Star Wars preaches pacifism, but but conflict and change are a part of our nature, and you can't just stop all of them, all of it. You know, yeah. sorry if we're going on for a while. I just this is the most fascinating thing to me of of where season two could go with Balin as its. What is he trying to do, and why does Ahsoka want to stop it? 
Mm-hmm. Ken? I, I, I like the idea because I, I envision him as flying too close to the sun is how I wrote it down mm. of, of, of whatever he tries to do. Um, I, it's not exactly the same, but I'm just going to the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark of, yeah, let's do it. We got to open up this arc, make sure it's uh, working right for the Fjord. We got this great power. Oh, God, we have, we're dead. <laughs> like this is, and, and him having a, a moment like that where it could be just – big fantastical what you're talking about of a of a big reset button right mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of of that's not how to do, uh, how to do it uh, um i think star wars I, I think that's a lot of stuff going on with kylo ren and last jedi right that's the ah just destroy the past you know, you know don't take any of it forward start all over and we can't do that you have to learn from the past you have to grow with the past you have to uh, uh intersect the two the new and the old all the things we love going back to and that he could be he could stand in the way of that because it seems all great and this is still goes to uh, the comments of Ray saying, you know, Dave and I had to bicker and, and banter over over if I was the villain or not. Uh, and, I, mm-hmm. and that means as an actor, he's finding the core of this character. That's why it works so well. His energy is so present. It's, his energy is three feet in front of him every scene. It's just it's so clear um, uh, that he's yeah, you're, I think the, the breakdown of the, the shin thing, uh, as we called it, the coach cutting the player and saying you're ready whether <laughs> it or not, uh, um, speaks to him. Uh, finding a righteous reason to go use this power. And I love that. And it could be giant, fantastic, a lot of lightning. I'm seeing a lot of lightning happening. <laughs> a lot of weird space orbs mm-hmm, floating mm-hmm, around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think what is compelling about him and I think why he had those conversations with Dave is I think his motivation is good of, I want to stop the cycle of violence. Like, right. great, all of our heroes do. But mm-hmm. then there's that question of balance of, of um doing the right thing is hard and there are many things to navigate. Like in some ways, if he's, he said, I'm going to go to Mortis and I'm just going to, through the will of the force, all of the forces throwing, flowing through me and I'm going to use my will so that literally no being in the galaxy can raise their hand in, in violence. Like, mm-hmm. well, that sounds beautiful, but wait, now you're taking all agency and control away from people. And, mm-hmm. you know, I can imagine a sort of philosophical pr- perspective where Ahsoka is like, I agree with you. The goal should be to, eradicate violence but we need to do it in this long hard work complicated way by bringing people together by building empathy you know we can't just enforce it on people it gets into to me really interesting ideas Uh, jen how do you feel about the balin using mortis to do something big and weird and drastic I think it makes a, a lot more sense now what you both are are presenting is that he does feel like he's on this righteous path. That's what makes him such an interesting character because he's not the, you know, tw- twirling the mustache type of villain. Mm-hmm. Um, so that will be interesting what happens when he gets there. The, the confrontation I'm sure Ahsoka will have with him <laughs> about what he is doing. Um, yeah, I, and... I don't know about like the all the in and outs, like the possibility of the sun showing up or my daughter showing up <laughs> in this YouTube. Okay. Excuse me. I'm going to mute myself. Like, carry on. Carry okay. on. Okay. Yes. Uh, for audio uh, listeners, uh, this is just, this is great old hey. school vaudeville comedy. Yeah. Just children, uh, child's limbs popping into the screen. Uh, um, uh, so Ken, let, mm-hmm. let's get into uh, the, the Ahsoka Mortis connection. One of the biggest things of yeah. season two yeah. and things that people have been talking about uh, for mm-hmm. a very, very long time. It's long been theorized that Ahsoka is going to end up in Mortis. Uh, and often mm-hmm. Ken, I feel like when we, when mm-hmm. we have that conversation as a community and, and sometimes when we have it here on four center, 
it's about the puzzle pieces. It's about right. the, hey, yeah, she died in Mortis, and then the daughter gave her some of her life, and then more I the convoy is connected to it. So those are the clues, and, and the clues are great, and they're interesting, they're powerful, and they're important. But what I'm interested in talking about is if Ahsoka ends up in Mortis, what is meaningful about that? What could she accomplish? What does that, how would that complete her character arc over these decades of storytelling? Yeah, you make me think of back in the day, and by that I mean the end of you know, season five, even season seven, and just the, the discourse always around the discussion. I shouldn't say discourse seems uh, rather negative, but discussion around, you know, Ahsoka ends up there, a puzzle piece meaning like there's, let's just put it all together. You got Anakin, you got this and that, and it's fun, and it's fun speculation. But the why of it, uh, for me, I, I go to what I've always, again, my interpretation of a lot of her path is, is what does it mean to be a Jedi? And she represents... Um, not just the light. She's not the only one representing the light, but there's just something pure uh, about her and, and what the daughter did f- for her represents a lot of what I think Ahsoka is about or is trying mm. to be about. And and whether or not she ends up uh, on that statue on the mountain that it's, it transforms suddenly into Ahsoka's face. Um, uh, it, it just seems to now, now more than ever, a, a natural conclusion of, of what this character has always just been asking about. What's the best way to go around this galaxy or this other galaxy now or all the galaxies to help people to use this power uh, and, and, and that she would complete that and, 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 and hopefully true balance. Now, I'm just thinking of puzzles, you know, is, it, is, is Balin the father? Is, is Balin the son? Is this finally when we get Sam Witwer showing up again? Mm. You know, uh, that's one of those things people love to speculate on. Um, I think it'll happen one day, whether what what character we'll see. Um, but that's just where I start to go with her character being there and the why of it on Mortis. Yeah, I think for me, the why of it is I, I agree. And we've talked about a lot in our Clone Wars reports in particular that I think Ahsoka is a real symbol of the light. There is that direct mm-hmm. connection with the daughter. Um, but I think, you know, when she walks away from the Jedi Order, she isn't walking away from the Jedi. She is staying true to her Jedi ideals yeah, because yeah. the Jedi have veered from them and she is you know lost in the wilderness trying to define for herself what it means to be a jedi but she's always had it she is naturally compassionate naturally balanced i think there's so much in the great in the clone wars animated show that that shows that she and anakin are aligned in their utter compassion for other people but ahsoka finds ways even in her dark times in in season one of ahsoka to not let it curdle fully into you know the dark side it's just compassion she's balanced she's selfless so i think there's a sort of a, a symbol of the of the light thing and the the statue face of the daughter being gone is just almost like if a television show could have clickbait <laughs> within itself <laughs> that uh, that i feel like that was fully saying write an article about this guys everybody have fun with that <laughs> what's interesting to me about her ending up in mortis is an examination like you said ken of what does it mean to be a jedi but specifically for Ahsoka and her role, honestly, in Star Wars, she started out as a a child, literally, as a mm-hmm. as a daughter character. And there's a power to me that is we've seen her now become an adult. We have seen her face the the trauma and the gifts bestowed upon her by her father figure, Anakin, and is now moving past those. There's an interest to me of her becoming not the daughter of Mortis, but the mother of Mortis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that she could transform fully in the years that we spent with her from the child to the adult to the patron, the, the mother of Mortis, the, the adult, <laughs> the adult in the force. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Mortis's role is is uh, it's it's spiritual and murky, but you know, according to the Mortis arc, it is to to help keep balance. And I think there's a suggestion that because Anakin didn't take up what the father asked him to do, that the 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 balance uh, in Mortis disappearing allowed the dark side to to increase even more. Mm-hmm. So this idea that Ahsoka would be you know this this child who becomes the mother who is the guardian at the gate who helps mystically keep everything in balance is a you know it's a great commentary on not just on the character but on uh the jedi beliefs being uh spiritual not the letter of the law and also wrestling with with star wars's long long history of being a a father based show we've got we've got more mothers leia's role is a mother was elevated to a little bit more mythical level in rise of skywalker i i think but talk about really raising the role and the idea of what is mother to a mystical level to have ahsoka end up being the mother is really powerful and interesting to me uh, Jennifer, uh, you're a mom. <laughs> I just keep thinking yeah. of like the you know the the when you call someone like mother, like the like the compliment as opposed yeah. to like the actual being a mother. Um, you know, this is where I think about: Are they going to? Because we know what's going to happen. We know it's got to end. Her journey's got to end, but kind of live on. But like her physical journey, right? So, mm-hmm. like you're saying, Joseph, like this cloud has been hanging over her ever since she was introduced to us fans. We're like. Mm. Her end is coming at some point. So um, is it going to end in this show? Mm. Are they going to set it up for the movie? Because that would be a pretty cinematic moment, right? To see Mm -hmm. her transcending and becoming the mother, be beautiful, poignant tears from all of us in the movie theater of the the ending of this character, right? Mm. I don't know. Because if you put it in this show... Well, then that means that the maybe the movie is going to be more about the New Republic and Thrawn and Ezra and blah, 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 blah. Nobody will be wondering whether or not she's going to appear. Or it could be mm-hmm. your way to get people to the movie theater, like see the conclusion of Ahsoka in this movie. Um, I don't know. I don't know. That's a story, a story thing. But I know Dave has so much love for the character of Ahsoka. He's going to want to do right by that character. Yeah, I think the the pull to have her on the big screen might be powerful. So so maybe yeah. we are not uh, heading towards uh, the the long uh, predicted end game of Ahsoka, but maybe this is a step on the path uh, as she interacts more with Mortis and maybe comes to accept this is where I need to be and I will get there eventually. But mm-hmm. I got a movie to do first, or <laughs> or narratively, right. I have I have I I'm needed, but I know this is where I'm going and I know I'm this is this is where I'm heading. Uh, Ken, I want to get you in here. Just want to say one more thing real quick of, um, you know, when, when Ahsoka showed up the voice in, in Rise of Skywalker and, and when Ray hears all the, the voices of the Jedi that have come before. And I think Filoni gave some sort of quote about maybe she's dead, maybe she's not, which for me has always been like, I, I feel this character is fated to end up as some sort of guardian at the gate uh, in a not just a, a, a force spirit. But one of the things that, that excites me about it is this idea of can we see in a palpable way, what is different because Ahsoka, daughter, mother, whatever, Ahsoka is in Mortis. Is it is is it through Ahsoka that Rey is able to hear the voices of all the Jedi who have come before? Is that something palpable Ahsoka is doing? Or if she does, you know, sort of become one with Mortis in the show, is there something more that is possible through the Force that Ezra can do because he has guidance from Ahsoka's 
uh, active sacrifice, balancing mortis, that kind of thing. Ken, where do you go with the, with the, whether or not this season will bring her fully into a mortis role and, and how to make that palpable? I got scooper spies who are hiding in dumpsters at the Burbank Disney offices and up in Marin County. And they tell me that the Filoni's movie is called Star Wars, The Ascension of Ahsoka. That's what they're calling it. I'm kidding. Hopefully. <laughs> oh, man. I was going, what? Tell me more. We can talk about this off air if I got, you want. I got, I got people hiding in parking structures, taking pictures of Dave's folders as he walks in to the office. His doodles. <laughs> His doodles. Um, but I think I, this is where it's hard to separate the business from the show mm-hmm. here, right? Of, of, of uh, you can't tell me that, that, that Dave's like, finally, I got a movie. And I don't mean this like he's some bit like, ah, fine, finally. But he's just like, I got a movie. Yeah, Ahsoka's going to be a big part of that movie. It, it, it'd be weird not to. And, and yeah, the Rise of Skywalker thing hangs over some of it. That that cheeky Dave quote, because there's always a cheeky Dave quote somewhere. Um, <laughs> to me, uh, was that what you're talking about, Joseph? A world of possibilities, but also a little bit of like, well, JJ never asked me, so. He just put the voice in. Um, But that's fun. That's reality because we have a a perceived end point. Um, So so in terms terms of making it palpable, I just I I I really love what you're saying. Going back to the start of this conversation uh, or this section with the mother of it all, because going even to the puzzle of Mortis, we think the father, the son and the daughter and the daughter's head is off. But if the father's dead, there's a job opening. And mm-hmm. and I, I it, it, there's nothing that says it has to be those roles to me, mm. uh, and that if even if she slides into to that broken statue's position to, to fulfill what you're talking about to to transition it to the mother the son the daughter and who knows what else it's wide open the force flies it could be anything um, that does kind of make sense and and in some ways I understand especially if you're not a giant Ahsoka fan and and I do know some folks that still aren't and that's fair. Uh, it's your right to do so. Th- this might be Dave's precious character getting the number one spot on the Star Wars depth chart. Like, <laughs> it's she's the mother of it all. But they, we don't know what that means. You're raising some great questions of what you could do with that, Joseph. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and again, I, I pulled out the old Force Center Speculate Responsibly t-shirt, still available at yeah. T-Public. Um, I, I, uh, might, I might need to be wearing a couple more of those because I'm I, I need to speculate responsibly, but it's but it's part of the fun, the part we part of how you when you stumble on that term of you, you get excited. I'm still excited about seeing Keller and Beck in, in a Mandalorian Grogu movie, mm-hmm. and who knows if that'll happen. I had lunch with a friend last week. He's like, I don't know about this movie. He's like, let, let me tell you why it's exciting. <laughs> um, yes, you know. Um, so uh, Alex was referencing y- y- your ideas in his Q and A episode this week, like uh, Star Wars Explained. So yeah, anyways, going trying to break it all back down. Uh, uh, I, I think it could be big and epic if it's done in the movie. If this is the ascension, this prophet being called home almost, if you will, mm-hmm. it would just make some sort of sense. It would be giant. But now we're now we're so we're wildly speculating that I even forget where I was going. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it is. It is utter speculation. And I think for me, I, I have to recognize when I have a sort of pull toward a, a desire of what I think would be cool, what yeah. I want, and also being open entirely to being able to let it go. It is a great it's great Jedi training to mm-hmm. watch Star Wars. Because I think you're you're both right. I think there's every possibility that Ahsoka is a huge key factor in the in the Floney movie, and she will go to Mortis, but she is nowhere near her end. And Dave wants to do five seasons of Ahsoka if he can. Mm-hmm. I think for me, as as a fan and as a storyteller, I have this longing for closure, and Ahsoka's been headed to Mortis in, in, in ways for years and years and years. There's a part of me that, that feels like 
part of the beauty of Star Wars is just because we see how a character ends does not mean we're done telling stories about them. Does not mean we're done learning new things about them. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kenobi and Maul both died in their first appearance, and we have learned more and more about yeah. them, and we still have great stories to be told. We saw Han uh, be <laughs> become a star, <laughs> literally, in Force Awakens. We're not done telling mm-hmm. Han Solo stories. So there's a part of me that feels like, I would like to see, I have such a desire to see Ahsoka's journey completed, but just because we see where she ends, that does not mean we're done telling stories and learning about her. And I think there's a part of me that's almost sort of like craving that piece that it's not all about the end. It's, it's, you know, we got it. We got a drawing. We got a doodle from Dave literally pointing to her fate. Yeah. And there's a part of me who's like, let's stop playing footsie with her fate and see it. <laughs> footsie with her fate. That's the name of the movie. Yeah, look, Dave said for years, like, I've got these stories. I'm getting to tell these stories. And and I'm excited about uh, all the world of possibilities around this character. But I'm excited for him to get to uh, maybe get to the end. Again, and you're right, the stories can go on. Because, look, eventually Dave is going to want to retire, move back to Pittsburgh, open up a hockey bar called Yinzers and enjoy his life. Like, you know, maybe... <laughs> That now sees an opportunity to t- to land some of these characters and stories. Let's uh, let's speculate responsibly. That's a <laughs> lot of details about what you want out of Filoni's retirement. <laughs> Go down to Yinzers, watch the Penguins. You get a, a soak and drink special. <laughs> uh, uh, go to Yinzers in that. Uh, the but mother yeah, of Mortis Mai Tai. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But you know, what I mean, just outside of even our speculation, like I- I'm excited for him. This is a character he's held. Near and dear for so long, and and uh, I I think it should be big. And I will say this: I I even looking at the movie, I still this is why I'm excited and like the idea of of, of Ezra being kind of positioned as as uh, in in opposition of Thrawn, as well as the New Republic, and as well as Hera and Jason Sandula as well. Might as well throw him in there. And while the, the final fight to me in that movie, if there is one, is not a fist fight between Ahsoka and Thrawn. That it uh, mm-hmm. that doesn't make a lot of sense for me right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it, final thing I'll say about the whole whole Mortis thing is, is I think, you know, such a big part of that arc was uh, the father reaching out to Anakin because, you know, only he could could balance it because he has in his in his uh, he has the potential for light and dark and so much that is demonstrating that he has uh, pow- power over both the light and the dark. And to me, there is a um, there's a power kind of spiritually in that uh, Ahsoka is not his literal biological daughter, but she is sort of the daughter of the chosen one. And she has wrestled with mm-hmm. everything that Anakin has wrestled with, feared that dark side. I think maybe in a couple moments embraced that dark side. Um, not she hasn't fallen, but maybe she's made some choices that are a little bit more dancing with it. So there's something powerful to me about saying, you know, uh, uh, she has the experience in the life uh, uh, by being, connected to Anakin that mm-hmm. she could fill that role of, of balance is uh, that that's such a big part of this, that story. What does that mean? Uh, all right, let's, there are other characters in Ahsoka besides Ahsoka. So let's talk about them. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, like Sabine, uh, Jen, what do you think Sabine's journey in this season could be? What is her emotional challenge and could it intersect with uh, Shin Hatties? This is my emotional challenge because I really love the character of Sabine. I love the few first few episodes of Ahsoka with Sabine. And then when she became her apprentice, I had a little bit of difficulty with that storyline, as I've articulated before. Um, so I wrestle with this. And, you know, StarWars.com in that announcement, they said they called her 
and her apprentice, Sabine Wren. This is story is going to be about their relationship. Master apprentice is going to be about uh, Sabine just struggling with self-doubt, trying mm. to you know tap into her powers, feeling frustrated. And it's hard for me as a Rebels fan, because in Rebels, she was she was a badass and she was a Mandalorian. She was a warrior like and she's artsy and she just really felt like an, her own individual. And what my I struggle with is within Ahsoka, she doesn't feel as much of an individual. It feels like she's her identity is so tied to mm. Ahsoka's. And I know that that's a story that they're trying to tell. It's just hard for me. This is where I'm, I'm wrestling with it. And mm. I'm sure season two, it will be great and I'll love it. Um, and maybe we'll get to learn more about Shin Hadi because I think she's a really cool character and she's mm -hmm. very enigmatic as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I wrestle with this one. Well, l let me throw out this Star Wars counseling uh, potential. <laughs> and I, I could absolutely be wrong, but it, it's it's what I took from Ahsoka uh, season one with the storytelling with Sabine. That uh, Ahsoka's got that one line where where she says to Hyang, "I'm not trying to get her to be a Jedi. I'm trying to get her to be herself." Right. Um, th th this is definitely me interpreting what's there. It's interpreting the text. I don't think the text is super crystal clear in analyzing it. But what I I enjoy about Sabine's journey is. She's not doing great in training. She can't move the cup to move the cup. The force comes to her when she is in the throes of battle, battle and right. action mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. forward movement. And you can be negative right. about it. Of like, she can only use the force to fight. And I don't mean it that way. I mean that a warrior can be somebody who uh, gets up in the morning when they have every reason not to. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's who she is. She is a warrior. She is a fighter. She is a Mandalorian by nature. Everything that you're describing, Jen, I really love about the character and I feel like there were seeds in Ahsoka's season one that make me hope that that those seeds will grow into a story of we're not trying to make you Qui-Gon Jinn Sabine right that isn't who you are you're an artist you're a fighter you, you like to literally make your mark with a bomb or a paint can mm -hmm. and you're only going to be able to tap into the force and to help people and to be selfless when you're very vibrant engaged person attacking a problem that's how you're going to find your balance and here's this other person that we don't know super well in shin hadi but seems to have that same temperament of like shin hadi just seems like she's growling at the world that there's just a, right. a thunderstorm roiling inside of her and we don't know her backstory we don't know why but it seems like she might be wrestling with that same sort of like i'm young and i'm confused and i'm traumatized and the only thing that makes sense to me is forward motion so like mm -hmm. how could these two kind of tortured characters come come together and have a, a friends to enemies or or friends to lovers story and find balance in, in in each other as well as in accepting a sort of more tempestuous nature mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. does that make any sense to you jen yeah, hundred percent. I like that. I like that story, and I think really seeing her coming, Sabine coming into her own, feeling some sort of confidence uh, a little bit, seeing more of her confidence. I think I would enjoy that because that's what I enjoyed about the animated character so much is that she was so headstrong, but in a in a positive way of saying this is who I am. This is this is you know t take it or leave it. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we'll get that in season two. It feels like she has room to explore herself because she's not worried about 
Ezra. She's on the path. Now what she can right. do. And what exactly. are your thoughts? No, so it's wonderful stuff. And I'll start. I, I echo a little bit, Jen, with um, you on the, I, I think I connected with the Sabine less in this show uh, from presentation to performance. And some, there was just some, some issues I stumbled upon, tripped up on the pathway, but I think uh, this is a, and one of the reasons is because it was one of my favorite characters of, of, of rebels. And, and, and it wasn't like it was a, unintentional step back like like the dave or the team was wasn't aware that where hey, we're taking a, a sabine to this area that's somewhat familiar you know i think of the trials of the dark saber it's a little bit about trying to break through to find out who she really is and i, I think joseph i like what you're saying uh, to break it down to uh, a real world thing for me it's like when i fail as a comic it's because i'm on stage trying to be a stand-up comedian but when i succeed it's because i'm on stage being me and I just happen mm. to have the mic there. And I think I see a little bit of that journey and her separated fr- from Ezra and accepting. I wanted to get him home with me, right? That we, this was where we go. And I gave that up and now I'm here. And look, I'll even sit down to a, a real simple level. If she's a Jedi in this new realm and a lot of people around her, including the, the, the naughty noty, don't even really fully understand what a Jedi is. She gets to kind of redefine that in her mm-hmm. own terms, on her in her own way. And that could be part of the journey. And I absolutely agree. Her and Shin are are connected in so many ways. If you want to ship them, you can ship them. If they're friends, if they're enemies and they and they're connected in the in the fact that one might end the other, that 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 could be it too. Without a doubt, I think they are at times two two sides of the coin. And, and look, you, you design Shin to look like that. She looks like the 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 front woman of a Ukrainian death metal band. She's gotta have a lot of anger. <laughs> She's gotta have a lot of anger in there. And 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 we've seen over time Sabine's got a lot of anger in her. It makes a lot of sense to connect it in this landscape that is undefined, even for us as fans, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know where the coffee shop is on Prettia, but we know where it is on Corson. It's Dex's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's a, it's an open road for her to, to find herself as she moves forward as a Jedi now. Yeah. I, I love everything you're, you're saying, including the Ukrainian death bands. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, Shin absolutely does have a, a front and a band vibe. Um, I, I think this is part of the reason that as much as I want to, to know more about Thrawn, Night Sisters, Ezra, New Republic, that I feel like there's so much story here mm-hmm. in this new galaxy. And what you're tapping into of what does it mean to be a Jedi in this new galaxy mm-hmm. where we, we don't know what the powers are or what they have been in this new galaxy. And there is an opportunity. And I don't mean this is a great Jedi of like, they're Jedi who get to be violent. Uh, I don't think that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, the no, philosophy that, that, that Dave Filoni is, is interested in. Um, but how empowering to feel like I, I I come from this legacy of powerhouse Jedi and I don't quite believe in myself. I need to tap into it in a different way, in a way that the traditional Jedi order would frown on. Now I'm in a new land and I get to make the shots, call mm-hmm. the shots of, of what it means to be a force user in, in this world mm-hmm. and with Shin. Like that's a fascinating story of if Ahsoka does end up in, in Mortis land and Sabine's fate is to be the new Jedi here. It's yeah. fascinating to me. Jen, any other uh, Sabine thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> you guys have no idea what is going on in my house. For those of you who are watching YouTube, my daughter is now vlogging in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm explaining. Uh, hey. Now is not the time to vlog. 
Hey. Or do a, d- a tutorial <laughs> video on how to make a smoothie, which is going to happen. So just stay Look, tuned. I, I need to know how to make a good smoothie. I fail, so I'll be I'll be tuned in. Uh, you know. Well, your daughter starts vlogging, and you know the uh, the apprentice becomes the master. So. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, I got to well, take her powers away. Phone. Uh, <laughs> all right, this let's talk great. about the most important part of Ahsoka season two, which it's shameful it, it took us this long to get to. Are droids allowed in Mortis Ken? And if not, what is Huyang's fate? They aren't allowed in Mortis, but go with me here. Huyang has been around for thousands upon thousands of years, right? Almost the beginning. Inside of him, and I don't even know if he knows it, is the key to Mortis. The literal key. It has to open up. (laughs) It's glowing. And uh, if he gives the key up, he dies. He's never mm. to be brought back again. And this is his destiny, to allow them into Mortis. He can't go in, as 3PO wonders in Rise of Skywalker, if this is, this is the afterlife, is, are droids even allowed? Uh, Yang is, uh, I, I, that's, I think, his destiny. I might be completely off here. Yeah, I, I hope he just gets to continue uh, being being a, a, a lightsaber professor in mm-hmm. Sabine's new... <laughs> New order. Who knows? But I, I, I love Hugh Yang so much, and I think he was used so well in I'm Ahsoka so season one. And I think he's positioned for not just great character moments. I love that he's your cranky, uh, lovable grandpa who, who's got good guidance and sass for you at the same time. Yeah. Um. And I, I think he was used that w- that way really well in Ahsoka season one. But now, as the holder of the stories that now appear to be based in much more truth than maybe even who Yang believed when he first had the stories programmed into him. But he's been telling them for years and years and years. He's, I think he's going to be a a charming, hilarious exposition machine because he knows the stories. And maybe there is a story about what you have to feel in your heart to pass through the gate on Peridia. And, you know, (laughs) there, there could be a lot of that beautiful kind of stuff. You Jen, what are your answer me these questions three? Yes. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a high path, a low path, and a middle path into Mortis. Um, what are your Hu Yang hopes for Ahsoka season two? I just see him going, okay, bye bye, I'll be here. Um, <laughs> I would like to see a three PO Ewoks relationship uh, mm. where he is, you know, and uh, the king or whatever of uh, the god of the Nodies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and they listen to all of his many stories <laughs> around a campfire. They lift him up in the air. I just, um, I want to see that. I love that he, he's he got him carving, carving sticks and he's teaching mm-hmm. them all the lightsaber yes. forms. And they're just this little turtle army yes. poking people's shins. <laughs> a little army. montage. Not of the them. character shin, but people's actual mm-hmm. shins. Yeah. Yeah, I like That's it. amazing. Like it. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, so, uh, Ken. We've talked around this, but it's, I think, a big question for Ahsoka season two. Do you want more of Peridia to be explored or more of this galaxy in general? We're talking so much about Mortis. The sketch is literally pointing us to Mortis, we assume. But we're on a brand new planet in a brand new galaxy. Do you want that to be explored? I I do to a certain degree. I I think I'd be fine with it just being Peridia, but that's a big planet. And we got some marauders and pirates and 'er ne'er-do-wells there. And and through Shin's eyes, maybe we could explore that a little bit more. Uh, I don't need there to be some sort of spaceport or city center or something like that. But knowing a little bit more of the the hows and the whys and the what's going on out there just... 
is interesting to me. It's good context. And especially if we're talking about, you know, all right, so Sabine's a Jedi in this world. What does that even mean? You know, who, mm-hmm. who's there to benefit from it? Who there uh, needs it? Is she just riding around with the, with the turtle folk, uh, keeping them safe? Um, no, I think it's more than that. So I think the, 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 the planet existing begs us to um, want more exploration. Uh, whether or not I need a, a, an entire new map of 17 planets and all this stuff and uh, one's a water planet, one's a snow planet. You know, maybe maybe in this galaxy there's different uh, weather regions on the planet. You know, maybe that'd be great. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I need that, but I, I do want, yeah, I want to know a little bit more. It's, it'd be a wasted opportunity to me to not explore. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like your your joke uh, about a, a spaceport because my reading of Peridia is it's it's like an Ilum or an Octo or a Moraband. It's, right, a, right. it's a force powerful planet that is, you know, not, it doesn't it's not on the beaten path within that galaxy is yep. is the vibe i'm getting yep uh from from peridia so maybe there is more to be explored obviously uh, i think there is a lot more to be explored i don't think those are the only factions of marauders a night sister tomb there there's the implication that the night sisters uh ruled over the power on this planet and yeah. it was the mm. terrifying power which sense to me like maybe the night sisters uh have interacted and abused yeah. the powers of mortis or or the powers of the planet and so there's some fun nightmares to be explored there i think there's a, a, a lot i mean i i really feel the possibility of uh feloni's uh lord of the rings love that he mm-hmm. he brings into star wars and that ahsoka season two could be the march to mordor through different communities uh-huh. impacted by the legacy of of evil uh yeah. kind of thing um and, yeah. and i'm and i'm also with you that i i don't need I don't need Ahsoka and Sabine to jet off and and do the visual tour of the new galaxy. Right, right. But I think this is a massive opportunity to show what is different in this galaxy, mm-hmm. um, given what's at stake. That um, that Balin is upset about the cycle of violence in the galaxy we know. Has that been true here? Have there been endless wars? Are there still Force users? You know, is there an em- an imperial yeah. authoritarian what are the powers in this galaxy i think having a little sense of what if that galaxy's journey has mirrored the one we know or has been vastly different that seems like it actually matters to balin's perspective mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of possibilities there could be some sort of warlord now that the the night sisters the grandmothers are gone he, uh, he has a chance yeah. to regain some power there could, there could be a lot of uh on the ground uh in the streets kind of stories there on this planet spaceport or not yeah. Jennifer, we, we, we here on the YouTube side can see that you needed to step away to deal with a vlogging crisis in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, we've been talking about um, exploring more of Peridia or of this new galaxy. Are you interested in that in this uh, season of Ahsoka? I am. I am interested uh, uh, because it's... Uh, my my kids want to make a smoothie. This is what we're, what we're the brawl that was happening in the kitchen uh, <laughs> between the children. Uh, I'll quickly say this: yeah. I would love to see some flashback scenes of Peridia, kind of in its prime, seeing the Witch mm-hmm. Kingdom. I find really fascinating because mm. it looks so barren. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I I want to see more like mystical elements. Um, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. This is this is devolving here. Um, no, so no. yeah, I, I just I want to I want to see more rather than just kind of like 
rocky formations. The, 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 I love talking about the geography, but I also love your point of flashback. That's, that's absolutely great. Um, and if you need to, to deal with anything, we certainly don't want to um, uh, hold you with Star Wars questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll just I'll quickly go uh, handle the smoothie. I'll be back. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Uh, so, Ken, as we head toward wrapping up this uh, episode, looking at the heart of Ahsoka Season 2, uh, what's at stake for the characters, all that, um, there's the timeline thing to talk about. Uh, I, I kind of think we, we might not see Ahsoka season two until around 2026. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know, Filoni, I'm sure has ideas. Maybe he's been uh, tinkering with scripts, but there's still a lot of production to get up. And there is still also the uh, the spoken Iger concerns about uh, too much Star Wars. We have at least this year uh, skeleton crew, we have uh, a bad batch. We have the Acolyte, which means 2025. We have Andor. Um, how are you feeling about when Ahsoka might materialize? 2026 seems safe to me. And I want to point out, even I mentioned earlier, like we got Mandalorian and Grogu and the next thing up after that might be Mandalorian season four. I, I, that's wrong of me to even completely assume as correct, right? Like, like pff, this could be, everything could be moved around at this point and it makes yeah. a lot of sense. But Ahsoka 2026, Timeline-wise, makes sense. Um, Filoni's movie, 2027, you know, if you like playing that kind of big board of dates, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, uh, and there's a lot a lot of time between there, and I think we'll focus on Acolyte and wrap up Bad Batch and or coming back. There's a lot there to hold me over, but there's some big questions, especially even after this episode, that are burning inside me in a way I didn't know. Yeah. It's not just my back pain burning. I've got some mortis questions. <laughs> I'm really, really excited for Ahsoka season two, the more we, we get to, to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, Jen, we were talking a little bit about when Ahsoka might actually appear in our lives. Do, do you feel like uh, two-ish years, 2026, does that uh, seem reasonable to you, or do you think it could be sooner? I mean, I think it's going to be two, two-ish years. The question is, how do you keep the momentum going for Ahsoka, and that's the business side of it, right? So, like, Star Wars mm-hmm. Celebration, I think, uh, could be a big moment where they bring Rosario Dawson on stage, Dave Filoni, maybe. I don't know if they would have a clip ready, right? Maybe mm-hmm. they show some concept art. This is what I, I find interesting. Anytime Dave Filoni releases a sketch, before it used to be, like, on Twitter, but now on StarWars.com, the fans go crazy. So if he can just keep releasing sketches for the next couple of years, <laughs> that, that, will, that will satiate the fans. Um, and gives us, like, I mean, literally, like, it sets off the comments and you know, so many yeah. uh, YouTube videos about it. What does this mean? Um, yeah, if he just wore a T-shirt that said daughter, question mark, that would be <laughs> months of hype for In the Bubble Star Wars fans, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's all yeah. we need. And then he pe- peels it off and it says mother, exclamation point. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> yeah. Um, so if if we, you know, have to go back to the classic old Star Wars waiting, people, many people absolutely loved Ahsoka, their favorite Star Wars thing, I'm sure just salivating for the season two. If we all do have to wait up to two years, Ken, what are what are the dreams and hopes that you're clinging to? What are you ultimately most excited about? In terms of waiting in that time period? Or just what's going to fill your imagination when you when your mind when you're brushing your teeth mm-hmm. and your mind wanders to Ahsoka season two over the next gotcha. however long? Gotcha. Where does your mind go? Uh, it, it goes to the big final answer or the next big chapter in Ahsoka's existence. We're tracking Dave through the years and this character's uh, uh, so-called endings. I'm excited about that and to maybe get um, the next phase and to get some big questions answered about. Um, we say Mortis, and, and that's because it's that arc, but that arc. 
is is it comes up so many times, not just here in Force Center, but it's, it's just conversations. If you talk to someone, have you seen the Clone Wars? Eventually, within three sentences, Mortis seems to come up, good or mm-hmm. bad. And so to to get that back in to this level, and you know, don't forget it pops up in Rebels, right? And uh, mm-hmm. uh, with, with what's his name, Hyde, and and um, uh, you know, finding some clues on it. There, it, it's around, it's there, it's in Dave's mind, and it's and it's a big, it's a big answer and a big reveal. So I'll be wondering about that, the Mortis of it all, indeed. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. How about you, Jennifer? Same thing. I immediately, um, that's why I was going down the Reddit rabbit hole, just because <laughs> I, I just, I love that arc. I'm going to go back. I'm going to rewatch it and, and speculate. But I think that there can be so many uh, questions that are answered. Um, it's, just, it's just a fast, that's why people talk about it, because it's just such a fascinating thing about Star Wars, a, a fascinating storyline. It seems a little bit the weird side of star mm-hmm. wars which we've talked about so uh, yeah that's what i'll be thinking about yeah I, definitely mortis since that's you know literally what uh Filoni's, uh picture seems to be pointing mm-hmm. at maybe not <laughs> maybe uh, maybe that's a statue of the father saying get out that's the portal <laughs> to go back to your, your galaxy yeah get out get out uh that, that would be a, a great twist um <laughs> And stay so- out of the wool wars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and don't go into the world between worlds either. Are they the same thing? I don't know. Get off my back. Um, I, I hope that we just really get to drill down and just spend super, super quality time with Ahsoka and Sabine as they take the next steps on their journey. Uh, I think uh, I enjoyed Ahsoka season one, and I think their emotional arcs were complete for what they were going through. But now they are set up to kind of have to really face this this next step. And uh, so I'm thinking a lot about who Sabine's going to become, how she is going to uh, find confidence in being a, a Jedi. Um, and and one little thing that I, that that I had a hard time letting go of and hoped for in Ahsoka season one is. I would love some clarity on Ahsoka's experience during the Galactic Civil War, because I think mm-hmm, I think some mm-hmm. fans have have theories that they're pretty attached to. But my reading is that it is inconclusive. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know exactly where she step when she steps out of that portal in the world between worlds and goes back to Moraband. Was she marooned on Moraband for years and didn't get off until after the Galactic Civil War? Uh, mm-hmm. Was she traipsing back through the world between worlds, going on a weird spiritual journey um did she walk out of that portal and it was from her perspective you know six years later in the galactic civil war is over and most importantly for me it's it's about the character it's did she miss the galactic civil war and feels badly that she could not contribute in mm-hmm. in stopping her fallen master and uh, in yeah. stopping what she failed or do, was she like i just fought a war I, good luck i'm out that's important to me for her character. It is, and it's a, it's a big question too. And I, I I like the it. I like what you're saying about poof. She was gone. She comes back, and what happened? Type of vibe that would that would. I'm not looking for to give an Ahsoka an excuse, but hey, you know, she's got she's got to answer some questions about where were you. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Uh, uh, you know, if she's on Neamos uh, having pizos and just checked out for a little bit. Fair enough. That's the answer. But yeah, having that kind of revealed in, the, in its right appropriate time would be fun. Yeah, yeah, and I, 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 I get that. That um, I, I have preached patience, and I want to have patience, and I feel like I've had patience about that Ahsoka question for a long time, and it's one that I just I feel is really uh, intriguing and vital to her character, and I would mm-hmm. love to get that answer someday. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts on Ahsoka season two? 
for me, this is, I, I've said before, the show that I, I walked away having a little bit more questions and, 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 and slight problems with, whatever that means to you out there. But it, 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 this is the power of Star Wars. It's, it's looking ahead. Uh, you have a chance to, 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 to continue these characters, and, and I love them all, and I'm intrigued. It's not just about Balin and his beard. There's so much there on the table for this series and these questions, and to have a creator uh, getting the opportunity, someone like Filoni who loves this passionately, I'm excited about him getting the opportunity because that's uh, that's going to benefit all of us as fans. Yeah. Jennifer? I would love to see Hera struggling as I was today with juggling <laughs> multiple things as a parent. It's so real. Right? I yeah. mean, because season one, she had it all together, which is admirable, but it's really not the reality mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. as you all saw of being a parent. And sometimes you're in the moment of something really important and you got to handle your kid's mm-hmm. crisis, which may not feel like a crisis to the parent, but the kid's needs have to come first. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see that dynamic between her and Jason and how that could play out even I, more. I, I love that because they nibbled yeah. at the edges of it yeah. in yeah. Exactly. season one, I think. And yes. I would love for yes. them to take a big bite out of that, that she's got something right important there. to do, but but Jason's in the kitchen force vlogging with a dark spirit. She's like, what are you doing, kid? <laughs> right. I, right. I love that. Yeah, you're right. Nibble, nibble around the edges is a great way to look at it, uh, Joseph. And then and, and even us today, we've mentioned her. She's important. She's general. And, and I think it could be the, the the lead military person against a Thrawn in the coming war, but who she is as a person, who she is as a mother, who she is as someone who lost someone she loved with Kanan. That, mm-hmm. that, that's still, there's a lot on the table to explore uh, the, her as they did in Rebels. And I, I think, Jen, yeah. that's an excellent point. That's a wonderful point. Uh, Ken, my final thought, I need your help with a sports figure's name. Mm-hmm. You know the meme of uh, uh, the, the famous wrestling person who gets more excited uh, by new ideas. Do you know what I mean? The sequential, like, this is pretty exciting. This is then he's all collapsed. Oh, <laughs> the the Vince McMahon falls over yes, in the thank chair. You. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I was I was forgetting Vince McMahon's name. Yes, yes. That, that meme that's comes okay to my do, mind. By the way. Forget his name. That's totally fine. <laughs> better as a meme than a <laughs> uh, better as a meme than a human. Yes, fair yeah. enough. Okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> welcome to Vince McMahon Center. My point is, I think what I stripping away all the big ideas. I, I feel the Vince McMahon meme just because I yep. like all these characters of like, yeah, more time with Ahsoka. Wait, more time with Sabine. Wait, Huyang, Balin, Shin. And I'm exploded back. Like, yeah. I, I love all these characters, even with some ups and downs I had with yep. the first season yep. of Ahsoka. I love those characters, and I'm so excited to focus on them. I agree. I agree. All right. Take us home, Ken. All right. Uh, we'll take us home with a uh, quick ask as we uh, sign on out of here. We are asking you to consider uh, supporting us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash force center. We are currently at 385 supporters. If we get to 400, we are going to unlock film commentaries. And who knows? Maybe show commentaries as well. We have three up. I think I've been saying two. We have three up on our Patreon page, but uh, or excuse me, our YouTube page, uh, New Hope, uh, Last Jedi, and Phantom Menace. But even those are on the table because when we hit 400, uh, we're going to put the vote to you, the patrons. What movie do you want us to do? commentary and this might unlock a commentary series for patrons and then uh, available maybe for purchase like a, a flight attendant to the public we're working on patreon's new kind of system over there so oh, that all happens if you support us at patreon.com slash force center uh you can follow us on twitter and threads at force center pod we're on instagram our uh facebook page is force center podcast we're available in a lot of spots like our iHeartRadio, apple podcast google 
podcast and more. Just search. You'll find us before another company goes bankrupt in the podcasting world. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You can get the speculate responsibly uh, shirt, our classic one, uh, designed by Brian Ward. And as I said, patreon.com slash force center where you can support us. Uh, you can follow me at Ken Napsock. And I guess that includes, uh, what's the new one? Laps? I'm on, I'm on some new one that's like the new Instagram. It's confusing and oh. I feel old. Oh. Um, and uh, you can go to my website, catnapsock.com, for more. Jen, where can they follow you? I'm making videos again about Star Wars phonetics, Star Wars. pronunciation, spelling. Mm. You can check those out on Instagram, YouTube at Jennifer Landa, or TikTok at Jennifer Landa 1138. Love it. I saw that. I saw that. I liked it in all the formats I could like it. So, uh, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Joseph, take us home. You got the newsletter out there. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's available. I always forget. It's you you know where it's at. <laughs> Why am I pitching your work? <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. And check out Ken's band, The Moonagers. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yes, you can find me on all the social media except for the one Ken's talking about. I don't I don't know what this Instagram killer is. I'll I'll uh, get you both an invite. Okay, okay. That's exactly what I need because uh, I need to spend more time cutting and pasting the exact same <laughs> post to another social media site. Right. Anyway, you can find me on all of them at Joseph Scrimshaw. Uh, the newsletter is called Finish Your Monsters. You can Google just Finish Your Monsters and it'll pop up. Otherwise, if you want a direct link, you can go to buttondown.email slash finish your monsters and sign up for that. That is it for me. That is it for Joseph. That is it for Jen. That is it for all of you pirate booty fans out there who enjoy good snack. I like some applesauce as well, so we'll have that. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time here on Force Center. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow-up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.